Hey, welcome back to the Urban Monk. I'm back in town. Happy New Year. Uh, it's exciting. Uh, 2017 is going to be exciting. We have a lot of great content planned for you. Uh, one of the things, uh, if you guys have known me for a while, I've got two young kids at home and it's never quiet. Uh, and so one of the things I've been looking at is noise and what it does to the psyche. Um, with crying babies and barking dogs and you know lawnmowers outside and airplanes overhead and all that grew up in LA and it's one of those things that you know you just are never in a silent area in Los Angeles now a little live a little further south Sundays are pretty quiet so what I did is I started looking at solutions and I came across Dan Mabe He's doing some very interesting work with noise pollution. And I said, hey, come on in. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about what it does to us as humans and how it kind of reverberates through our souls and what we could do to maybe mitigate some of the noise in our life. So, hey, welcome. Welcome to the studio. Thank you. Thank you, Pedro. I'm really happy to be here. This is great. I love having like real people in here. We do so much like Skypey stuff. So it's nice to see a human. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad. We're, we're just up north in San Fernando Valley, Woodland Hills. and. I actually had some business here in Lake Forest today. Um, I'm a certified uh, repair technician for electric lawn and garden equipment, and I actually uh, did a repair before I came here, so it, it, it worked out great, but we would have came in nonetheless. We love Orange County. It's great down here. And so one of the things that I have um, just gotten accustomed to, and it's a sad state of affairs because urban people are just used to this. Is there's the sirens, there's the helicopters, there's the planes, the dog, all of it. And so you take it for granted, you start to block it out, but at the end of the day, it's still stimulus to your nervous system and it starts to kind of wear on you. And most people don't even know what silence is anymore. Like for, for me, like I'll go into the high Sierras, spend three, four days hiking in, find some meadow and just hear the wind and I'll forget how much I missed that. So. Yeah, I, uh, trips to the desert. Um, when I go up north to my dad's ranch in Wellington, Nevada, uh, just silence. And then mm. my wife Esther and I, we drive back down 395 and then hit the 14, the five, and then there's the 405. And then we're right Ooh. back into it. And you do, you, you it's, it's, um, it's, it's definitely an effect on your psyche physically speaking, and it just, it puts you in that flight or fight response, if you will. Mm -hmm. I've actually said, like, I've spent a considerable amount of time up in that back country, and it's almost like you start, you cross through this envelope where all of a sudden the collective minds of millions of people are like reverberating and buzzing, <laughs> and you can feel them before you hear them, and then you're in it, and it's just like, it's, it's like a boiling pot of water, and the molecules are people, right? It's just blah, blah, blah. And so you had a problem with this. You decided to look into solutions. Tell me a little bit about how you got into this. Well, it, I'm gonna give you a, a quick story. It goes all the way back to my childhood. Um, when I was eight years old, uh, my fraternal twin brother and I, uh, we were separated uh, from our biological family and we were put in some foster care. And this one particular uh, foster care home, the man of the house was a gardener. And we spent our weekends and our summers doing gardening work with gas equipment. So that's, it, it really goes back that far. So fast forwarding to today, um, I played college tennis and then I got into teaching tennis. And uh, 
I would be out there uh, on the court and I would have a younger sibling, uh, say like uh, four or five years old with, with, with mom, and then I would have their older sibling on the court, and then all of a sudden here comes the long cruise. And the first thing is the noise is, is deafening. And it's not just deafening, the, the vibrations that literally go through your, your body and, and understand that gas equipment, lawn and garden, and, and it's just, it's the blowers, it's the mowers, it's the line trimmers, it's the hedge trimmers. Uh, they operate at lower frequencies and lower frequencies tend to travel farther distances and they can actually uh, penetrate barriers and walls. So that's basically how I got into it. The, the one uh, day that broke the, uh, the straw that broke the camel's back is the gardener and I at my tennis facility, and we kept going at it back and forth. I said, look, I don't want you to operate this bleeping blower while I'm here. And uh, it came to a head one day, and uh, I went home really upset, and I said, you know what, I, I want to find out what to do about it. So I circled back to my roots in the landscape maintenance industry, and I started to research every gas alternative besides just manual tools, uh, manual hand tools, and I started one of the first all-electric manual tool, low-noise, zero-emission maintenance companies. And that's basically how I got into this, but to your point, it was the noise that was the starting point, because that's mm. what we all hear. Um, is it as good? Like when you have an electric lawnmower, does it get the job done as well? Is it, is it less, less horsepower, less oomph? That's a great question. Um, when I first started out back in 2007, absolutely not. We were using um, technologies, uh, let's say, um, we'll go to battery, battery chemistries, SLA, seal lead acid, NICAD, nickel metal hydrate, uh, they were brush motors and it wasn't up to the task, so you really had to want to do that to make it work, and we did. But fast forward to today, uh, where we have technology for this industry that parallels the electric car industry. We have sophisticated uh, circuitry, protection circuitry, that powers brushless motors and advanced lithium battery technology, and not the kind that you see on TV. Uh, where um, they're having accidents and, and problems with the batteries. Uh, these are chemistries that are very Same. safe and uh, actually our organization uh, tests and, and vets the manufacturers that supply this equipment. You know what's funny is late junior high, early high school, I, don't, you know, I guess my dad's progressive, he got us an electric lawnmower and one of my chores was to get out there and do it. And it's one of my <laughs> early tests of mindfulness because I had to remember not to run over that freaking cord. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I'm pushing this thing thinking about girls and cars and I'm just like, oh, oh, right? Like it made me have to focus. I, I love that story because when, um, when I started this company, we were using corded equipment back in 2007, 08. I wish I would have started that company today because the technology, uh, as we'll get into a little bit later, is just phenomenal. But I remember having to, uh, running over a cord, and then when we would do houses with pools, uh, I'm like, hey, get that cord out of the, the pool. That's a problem. So yeah, but I, yeah. I'm really happy um, that your dad had the wisdom to buy you that. Uh, and I was just um, 
I was speaking uh, with one of your staff members, and we were talking about mowing the lawn as a kid. And since you mentioned that too, I, I love the fact that you mow lawns, I mow lawns. We need to bring kind of that back, I think. Mm. But with, of course, um, zero emission quiet yeah. equipment. But just getting out there and working with the earth and being outside and, and having the value of, of doing work like that, um, even as a hobby, I think goes a long way for our youth and us as adults. It's funny is there's a, a couple components to it, I'm sure, you know, and we'll tease this out. But so I, you know, I try to spend as much time as I can at home, walking the dogs, taking the kids just outside. And so you have the noise pollution, right? So I got the guys on the street, neighbors have gardeners and stuff and they're blowing down the street. And then you also have the, the toxic fumes. Like I, you know, we take off our shoes, we go in the house, we eat organic, we do all this crap. And you go walk by someone that just gasses you with like petroleum, you know, and all sorts of nasty stuff. And you're like, great, thanks for the cancer, right? And, <laughs> and, and so like exactly. we have this thing down the street whenever, whenever I walk by, I have like this understanding with the neighbors, gardeners and stuff. They just kind of like stop for a second. I'm like, don't, I, my, my kids don't need that shit, right? And, and so we have this tacit understanding that they're very respectful as like, you know, I walk by with the kids. And I think to, and I think to myself, I'm like, this is someone's dad. Like he's huffing this paint all day. He's, he's taking these toxic fumes. And so there's gotta be a better way. And that's also why I'm really excited about this. It's like, there are technologies that work. You know, it, it, it's great that you mentioned that because again, noise was the primary reason, but coming, working in this industry from a young kid and then circling back to it um, and really understanding all the full spectrum of impacts uh, that underlies this industry. And they really, um, no one has been wanting to touch it with a 100 foot pole. But when you look at it as a whole, you, what comes out of those tailpipes? Benzene, formaldehyde, um, NOx emissions, carbon monoxide. Um, it's, it, it's for the worker that works with it, uh, six, eight hours a day and they're inches from the tailpipe, wow. Um, no one really, uh, we can see that 80, 5% of uh, the grounds maintenance workforce, um, anecdotally speaking, does not wear proper ear protection, eye protection, or respiratory. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then, you know, you have other things like solid waste, toxic waste creation. Uh, th these are things that we learned when we shadowed 10 gardening crews uh, for a period of six months. Uh, we were able to track how many oil bottles that they created from maintaining their gas engines. Uh, we witnessed parking lot tune-ups where they would do tune-ups in the parking lot, save money, save time. Uh, we would ask them, well, what happens to that toxic soupy mix uh, that you just washed all your parts in? What, what so do you do ocean. with that? Yeah, it, well, we dump it in the bushes or it ends up in a landfill. Um, so we really uncovered a, a really toxic industry. And what's amazing is the technology of electric, the way it stands today, um, it can really, really uh, almost entirely eliminate all of that in one fail swoop just by converting from fossil fuel operations to electric and manual, uh, the combination of using manual tools. So side by side, I mean, first of all, manual tools, I love it because frankly, we all pay all this money to go to the damn gym. And if we just like got outside and got some sun and used our bodies, it wouldn't, uh, you know, it wouldn't hurt us. Right, um, so we'll, we'll put that aside for now because that's contentious. Right. Um, side by side, if I wanted to buy an electric powered set, so it's like 
lawnmower, blower, weed trimmer, whatever, to a gas-powered? How much more or is it comparable, like pricing-wise? Um, okay, that's a great question. Right now, AGSA is working with one particular manufacturer. Um, AGSA is uh, your organization. Yes, uh, and I was, that is the American Green Zone Alliance. Uh, we've been working with a lot of manufacturers uh, to help uh, promote the clean technology itself. But going back to your question, um, we're going to be launching the National Green Zone Initiative. And the manufacturers have said so far um, that this spring, when we launch it, uh, that they would bring the price down for people to just swap out their entire suite of gas equipment and exchange it for electric. Um, I would say for homeowner versions, you're going to pay possibly 20 to 25% more, but you're going front, up front than cost of gasoline, oil and maintenance correct. versus versus kilowatt hours. So, uh, basically the cost of refueling your gas versus recharging the electric and then we have found that electric both residential and commercial it's one one thirtieth the maintenance frequency if there's any maintenance at all. I mean, we have some blowers that we set up in our very first green zone, uh, commercial green zone at Malibu Country Mart. Um, four years later, almost no issues whatsoever. Still run. Still run. So we, we think that in about two years time, both residential and commercial, you're, you're going to recoup your money. And then after that, you're going to be what we call in the gravy. Okay, two years isn't very much. Um, if you hate the noise pollution, it's well worth it. And then, you know, I personally, like I'm never home and da da da, so we have a gardener that comes. I would gladly pay a little bit more to have that thing the Saturday mornings when I'm home not rattle my windows and wake me up. You know what I'm saying? So if, if you know, and I'm saying this to like the world at large, if, if there are gardening companies, that offer this type of service, I would gladly pay a premium to help them refinance their equipment and eventually everyone's gonna to have to go that way. So we just have to nudge it. That, that is such a delight to hear from someone uh, because again, the return on investment isn't just um, the, the monetary expenditure. Uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's an investment in the workers. It's an investment in our community, our quality of life. Mm -hmm. um, a, f uh, a couple months ago, uh, actually how I ended up on this show, I did a symposium on Long Island, New York. Uh, we are currently doing a, um, an AGSA certification project for the city of Southampton. Uh, they're going to green zone the East Quag Park. And I met a gentleman, and I'd like to, to, to mention his name, Ted Reuter from Noise Free America. And uh, we were also there with uh, Jamie Banks of Quiet Communities and an uh, organization called Huntington Com. So it, you can see all of, uh, all of them have this noise at the top of their, uh, and you keep going back to it as well. Uh, so yeah, the, the investment in peace and quiet, I, I really feel that you can't put a price on that. Well, people don't even know about it, right? Because I have, um, you know, it's funny, my, my parents are very different. My father loves peace and quiet. Unless you talk to him, he's not talking back. He's just a chill dude. Uh, 
My mom grew, in a, grew up in a house with like seven siblings. And like when she's in a house and it's quiet, she turns on the TV or the radio to like fill the noise. And, and, and I, it's, it's a sensibility for me where I'm like, wow, this is chaos. This is too noisy. Like why, why, why are you doing this? And so certain people are so accustomed to the noise that they need the noise. And so they can't relax into the silence. And so that's a, a big thing with humanity is we've gotten to the point where we can't get out of the noise because the silence almost scares us. And to me, that's a problem. You're, you're giving me the chills right now. I, I, I personally have issues and challenges with that. Uh, with, again, with too with, much noise? With, no, with, it's so noisy. But then when I finally, like I said, when I can escape to a place of peace and quiet, you know, up in the mountains, out in the desert, um, I still hear a gas leaf blower winding in my head. I'll lay down at night and I'll hear it all day long and it just replays and replays and replays. Mm. And it, it is very challenging to embrace and enjoy the silence when it's, it's there for you. Mm. So, mm. I, it, but I will say, when we set up these green zones and, and green zones are dedicated areas that are maintained only with manual tools and electric alternatives. There is no gas allowed to that party. Um, an example of, a, of our uh, biggest green zone conquest, uh, as if you will, South Pasadena, the city of. The city of South Pasadena yes. is a green zone. It's the entire city is a green zone. But let me explain. Uh, every single city property is mandated electric, no gas. Um, Residential or okay, so no, just the just the city, city municipal property. Yes, yeah. but it's over forty serviceable properties, uh, uh, forty serviceable acres. I'm sorry, and I like the approach that they took. They didn't pass an ordinance and say you can't do this, you can't do that. Um, AGSA is in favor of bans and ordinances. Uh, when first a city is willing to set the example and provide adequate resources to make that transition. Uh, that's what works best. Right now we have a lot of um, emails coming in from South Pasadena residents five this month asking, back to your point, is there a clean air gardener or a low noise gardener available to come and do my house because mm. they can see what's going on so we can see that what the city has done now the residents are starting to follow suit and and they see the value in it that's also a big reason i mean progressive cities usually end up leading being on the cutting edge of these things because once you set a policy you start to mandate that policy things start to happen so the progressive kind of open-minded people in South Pasadena have now created an opportunity for the people of Pasadena to see a better way and I think that that's where uh, it's a good use of municipal authority power whatever and so my question is are there people <laughs> like, you know, like I would love to find one of these guys today. I will personally, if you're in my neighborhood, I'll invest in the equipment to swap it out to make that the case in my neighborhood. It's so much better. You know, um, I need to see if we did have one Orange County operator and I'm going to call him today. Uh, it's been such a long time. I actually, um, he had a very generic name. It didn't even have a connotation to clean air and quiet. And I always wondered why. Uh, but I'm going to circle back today and try to find him. And if I do, of course, I'm, I'm going to connect you guys. Uh, but there are several on our site. And in fact, um, 
we are putting the finishing touches on our commercial certification for independent operators. Uh, right now we have a municipal certification mm -hmm. and uh, we're gonna be adding the residential and this commercial certification that will allow um, these uh, one and two man crews uh, to go out and we can help them market their business and uh, get them a client base to allow them to be in existence and have, have a reason to be in existence and compete against uh, the gas counterparts. So you, they have to be somewhat more competitive um, because they have a higher cost structure at first, cost basis at first, basically, that's it. After, after a while, they'll recoup their money. I mean, but I would play this, right? Like if I were to, and this is not my line of work, but if I were to start a landscape company and I have a couple people in my Urban Monk Academy who own landscape companies, so pay attention, Christy, is I would have them wear shirts that had kind of branded thing, you know, you know noise-free, pollution-free, and have it be a spectacle in the community so people come up and ask and have them give a pamphlet about this stuff so that it educates the community and spreads. And it seems like such a no-brainer to do it that way. And we really are trying to help companies like that. Absolutely. Um, I, I would say even as far back as four years, the equipment was at a point where, okay, can I dive in? Um, am I going to recoup my money? And I'm, I'm speaking about uh, a person who does this and makes their living this way. Mm -hmm. Because once they invest in that equipment, that's it. They rely on this to feed their families and you know to pay their bills, to, to pay their mortgage. Um, I think the equipment now is to the point where they can confidently make this investment and know it's going to last and have that durability. And there's only a handful of companies uh, that the American Green Zone Alliance really uh, will. It's not even endorsement. We actually put their equipment through the paces. We have it beat up in, in, in situations beyond the point that's realistic to make sure if we stand behind something that it's going to operate within our green zone areas because these are certified areas that are mandated, no gas, all electric. Um, you have companies like Mean Green, uh, it's a great little company in Ohio, in the middle of the country, American-made, uh, a, have a great relationship with them, and uh, a company that makes only electric equipment, Greenworks. Uh, we, we notice that the companies that are dedicated electric manufacturers versus the ones uh, that are gas and electric, they've just given an electric offering to be part of the party, just in case this thing, goes and shifts so far uh, towards the electric way, they're mm -hmm. gonna be in the conversation. So question, if I'm, you know, I, 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 I was telling you offline, I don't even have a lawn anymore because we grow food and we've, you know, Southern California, we can't, like, there's no water. So we have an edible landscape, I've, I've transformed it. But even the space that I had in my Southern California suburb, whatever, it's like 10 minutes at most I'm sure any electric lawnmower could handle that. But if I'm a, a professional and I got 19 houses to hit today, is the battery gonna handle it? Like how does someone professionally, like do you have swap out batteries? Like how does it work if you need to be out there, you know, kind of hoofing it all day? Absolutely. Um, well, there's, there's, there's two ways. Uh, there's equipment out there that literally on the lawnmowers, um, blade to grass, seven to eight hours. And this is how we've been able to achieve over 120 wow. acres of mandated electric only certified areas, AGSA certified areas. Um, for, the, for the hand equipment, 
For example, uh, they have backpack batteries now. Instead of uh, wearing a, a, a gas motor on your back for the blower, um, you're going to wear a backpack uh, mm. that's a battery. It will power the suite of tools, the line trimmer, the blower, the hedge trimmer, uh, even a pole chainsaw. Uh, the line trimmer on those backpack batteries, you can get up to three and a half, four hours on one charge, up to six hours on one charge for the hedge trimmer. So the, the capacity, the run times have arrived. Awesome. It, yep. Awesome. What a, what a great time to be alive. Like we're right in the midst of a revolution. I mean, tes <laughs> Tesla's putting, you know, wall batteries in people's houses and all that. Uh, and you know, it's just when you're in it, it's hard to see, but this is a renaissance. Like finally, we've been waiting for the technology to be able to do this, to drive us around in our cars, to do everything. And I, you know, I see this as being an obvious swap. So here's my question, and maybe this is kind of a little big brothery, but are there any impediments? Is there any pushback? Is there any sort of kind of political um, issue that comes around this that's stopping the, the flow? Let me answer this question carefully. <laughs> um, I would say in my experience, I am uh, a little bewildered why this has not been embraced more by cities and groups and organizations who have uh, the green mantra. Uh, it, you know, especially when we basically try to um, give them the facts as they are. And uh, I, I, I'm still kind of waiting, but instead of uh, pointing the finger and saying, you're not doing this, you're doing other things, why not this? We just keep moving forward and setting the example. And it looks like we're finally starting to make some headway. Uh, but I would say that the, the lobby groups for outdoor power industry, uh, if you want to call it big oil, whoever it is, uh, understand that oil profits just from lawn and garden equipment uh, in Southern California is over $120 million a year. Um, when, and, and, and that is, that now, <sighs> the, the, and, and these, are, these are numbers that we always are conservative on. Uh, when we know that the average mow, blow, and go gardener, two-man crew, uh, uses nearly 400 gallons a year, just in LA County alone, there's an estimated 40,000 operations. So when you do the math, I mean, it's just astronomical. So there are powers that be uh, that, that are definitely resistant to this change. There is no doubt about it in my mind. Do you know the national number? Or has anyone done that? Yes, uh, for lawn and garden, not including diesel, uh, every year we use 1.2 billion gallons of gas we burn through uh, for this industry. Times two bucks a gallon on um, average. Oh, that's a great question. I would say if we look at gas and we go back to the, the we, we go on a six year scale and we average that out, I would say at $3.50 approximately. Uh, nationwide or? I, uh, well, that's more California. You're right. Yeah, uh, yeah. We're going to have to go probably around two in the 290s, 290s wow. nationwide. Yeah. So we're talking north of $3 billion, close to $3.5 billion in revenue. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know what? Listen, these guys are trying to eat too, but look, I don't, I don't buy that shit. If it's polluting the air and we have a better use of the energy you know, source, 
that is less toxic, uh, less noise pollution, then that's the answer. And so this is the problem we see in our political sphere. We were talking, we were talking about this when uh, he showed up just before the show. Um, I was talking about water capture for my house and what that looks like and whether it was legal and it's still kind of up in the air because when the original um, when the original water rights contracts were made in California, these guys laid out a bunch of infrastructure and then basically went to the municipalities and said, listen, it's illegal to capture water. So you have to tell the homeowners that they don't have permission to capture water because we want to sell it to them to recoup our investment. So it became illegal for me to capture rainwater, which to me seems like uh, really like an inalienable human right, right? Like you, yeah, like I, it, it makes something turn inside of me. And so these are the things that we face with just kind of the basics of what it means to be human here. And these are the things that we have to push back against. No, no doubt about it, and especially on, on your property. And my dad's a hay farmer in Wellington, Nevada. He relies on water, um, an allotment from the snowpack in the Sierra Nevadas. And if you were to tell, and it just, when you go and tell a farmer, hey, you, you, you can't use water uh, to grow food, it, it, it just becomes really contentious. And you have to wonder, he, he tells me, okay, um, we have the, the big political group down south who, want, who wants the water to just pass go and go right down there and, and not allow the farmers to use it. Mm -hmm. uh, so we, we know that there's uh, uh, you know, some, some big turning wheels behind any kind of uh, agenda that wants to tell you you can't do something. Right. Um, tell your dad that he should be cool with me because I tore out my lawn. <laughs> And you're growing food. <laughs> and I'm growing food for my kids. <laughs> That's a big problem, right? Southern California steals water from Northern California. And this is, you know, Correct. this is, these are the wars of the future, by the yes. way. Yes, and they are. And I, you know, I've been privy, because uh, speaking about water, by the way, um, we have worked with three different companies, uh, Evergreen. Uh, they are an all-electric company commercial. In fact, we did a green zone uh, at the Torrance American Baseball Fields. It's uh, the, the very first sports complex that's an AGSA certified sport complex. This company's great. They're using organic fertilizers on the grass where the, the kids are playing ball. And we've also done a lot of biochar installation with them. If you're going to have the turf, Pedram, we might as well do it as sustainable as possible. Sure. And what we've been able to do is develop a installation methodology that is saving anywhere from 20 uh, to 40% on turf watering. And this biochar, you get it underneath, underneath the roots, and it basically it retains uh, the water and it sequesters chemicals. And it's just a, a really great thing. And, and we spoke about the bigger green spaces for our communities it makes more sense to have grass in, in those situations. But, you know, if, if you're on your home and uh, it, it, you want to grow food and, and lower your impact instead of buying food at the grocery store that comes from Chile or from Mexico or somewhere else while we're shipping all of ours out somewhere else, uh, I, I think that's a great concept and AGSA definitely promotes that first and foremost. I love that. Uh, there's, there's a lot there. Um, first of all, I just before I drop this thought, um, uh, give me a list of the companies that you guys like. We'll link to the AGSA website. But like, if, 
if you're an investor, if you are investing in you know whatever your 401k goes to and all this stuff, um, you should look at where that money goes because a lot of it will go to ExxonMobil. A lot of it will go to some of these big companies that aren't doing the right thing. And you've already mentioned two or three companies that I like. And so if I'm going to buy stock, I'm going to buy stock in companies that are working towards the solution. I'm going to vote by hiring a gardener that uses that equipment. And that's how we change the world, right? And so conscious capitalism means voting with your money. And so I like what I'm hearing about these companies. And like this ain't my uncle's company. I don't even know these people, but that's where I would rather have my money go. A absolutely. Um, I, I would say uh, on, on the local level, um, Evergreen, as I mentioned, uh, there's a, if you go to uh, net, you will see a list of... A-G-Z-A. Yeah, A-G-Z-A. Um, you will see a list of gardeners that have dedicated... Uh, their their efforts to going all electric for lower noise and to be a service of the community and they definitely they need help and uh, they need accounts so please go on there and if you see that they're in your area give them a call and uh, see if they can help you out um, just one in Chino Hills uh, Green Gardening Service uh, uh, it's owned by Eddie Peralta he's a veteran and he's also a police officer and he saw the wisdom in going this way. Uh, this is a company that's on the rise. Uh, they're out in Chino Hills. Um, and then as far as manufacturers go, uh, Mean Green, as I mentioned, uh, Mean Green Mowers out of Ohio, uh, Greenworks out of North Carolina, and then um, in, also America. In, in America, it's great. Um, so th those are some of the ones that, that just are off the top of my head, but I would say go to the site and, and go through it and we would have a, a list uh, for everybody uh, to go through um, line by line. I love it. I love it. Uh, noise is a big deal. Air pollution is a big deal. And the, the ability to transfer some of this revenue to an emerging electric power industry. Uh, you know, we did a lot of interviews for my next movie called Prosperity about this, you know, there's a lot of energy around the organic movement and it started in some, you know, mom and pop hippie shops in the 60s and, you know, it started to take hold, but it was the people, the early adopters that were willing to pay that extra 20% and probably higher at that point margin to get the good stuff, get the right stuff, make it, make it work that now has Whole Foods being a multi-billion dollar company employing 88,000 people and really investing in all this. Infra it's, it's created an entire industry. And so for us, if we want to see this be a future, we have to vote with our dollars and make that a reality. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I really appreciate you pointing that out because, uh, you know, it, it's going to take the people who hire the gardeners if they're willing to pay 10% more. But circling back, I think the technology is so good now, I think that these companies can offer the same amount of uh, service that is very competitive against gas. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, all of this conversation always started back with noise. And I, I want to circle back to, we talked about companies, but let's talk about some of the nonprofits who have been so instrumental and saying, wait a minute, there's something here. We need to, we need to show this to everybody. Um, nonprofits like Noise Free America, I wanna go back to that. When you go to their site, um, it's not just lawn and garden, but it's, it's an entire list of, of noise issues that ails our society. 
Uh, and then uh, Jamie Banks of Quiet Communities. Uh, we've done a lot of work uh, with, with them nationally. And then I want to mention uh, Sonomacom up north. Uh, they're a community action group, uh, just like Huntington.com on Long Island. And at first it was like, okay, we just don't like gas leaf blowers. We don't like the noise. But since we've been working with them, they kind of see this, this holistic picture of like, wait a minute, we can't just look at one piece of equipment. We need to look at this entire industry. And we opened their eyes to, okay, there, there's humans involved. There's workers, there's mm. people involved. And we're very, very happy that they've kind of embraced uh, the idea that we need to make a change and a shift for the entire industry. Yeah, what's funny is if someone had the patience, tolerance, and interest in doing a meta-analysis of healthcare dollars spent on uh, landscape workers in stuff that was related to toxicity, I bet you that number would be much more than that 10, 20% margin in using the petroleum. Oh. Period. Right? And, and, and so, and no one's willing to look at that because our tiered society and like, you know, just these, the, the, the gardeners tend to be first generation or second generation immigrants and like, you know, it's like you're lucky you have a job and all this shitty stuff that happens in our culture, right? It, it, and, and so, like, you know, if this was the children of people in the Pacific Palisades, it would be up in arms. Absolutely. Um, what's interesting is, you're right, uh, they're, they're mostly first-generation immigrants, but I'm going to, um, when I uh, get back to my desk today, I'm going to send you some videos, and we actually have a few um, gardeners that are Caucasian guys, uh, because it's for everybody. It's an industry mm -hmm. for everybody. But these are guys out doing the work. And we actually, they allow us to shadow their crews. And we have full access to their habits, how much gas they use. They're completely forthright. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you uh, some of these videos. Uh, but again, the industry as a whole with, like you said, um, uh, this mostly uh, uh, first immigration uh, our, our first um, generation, generation uh, mostly from uh, Latin, Latin countries, they, they tend to stay quiet and not complain, we notice, yep. because they, they are happy to just have a job. But I agree with you. Where are we at now? Yeah, we true. have it. We have it, and we should get behind it more. And we're better than that. And we're better than that. That's not appropriate. That's not how you're your brother's keeper, right? Um, and so, you know, I, I had the other day, I had... Um, our gardener was over and his kid, and I didn't know any about, about any of this, so, you know, I was guilty as charged, just ignorant. But, like, you know, he's over there with his kid, and his kid's out there just standing behind him as he's blowing the stuff. And so, like, I go grab the kid and bring him inside and have him play with mine. I'm just like, at least get him out of the wake of this crap, right? And, it, and it's just one of those things where it's like, man, you know, you're, you're putting endocrine-disrupting chemicals in this young child's system. And, you know, I've had a gajillion shows talking about what that does to the internal physiology and, you know, just, just the, the challenges with the health conditions of America come from this crap, right? And so this kid deserves better. You know, what's interesting is when I go to this, these symposiums, I deal with industry. The guys that manage the crews, the, that own the companies, and then the workers themselves. And they tend to be a, a pretty tough group, but I come from that group. I'm not intimidated at all, and I, I give it to them straight. And I tell them, look, 
these are the facts. Even though, Pedram, there's not a lot of studies out there that can link the use of this equipment to ill health effects, but I can tell you it's affected my health personally, and there are studies starting to surface now that we're finally shedding some light on it, and I'm so glad you're bringing these points up. Um, I wanted to, I, I did make a, a little note here. I went up to the California Air Resources Board and uh, did a three-minute testimony um, in front of the, uh, in front of their, their president and the governing board there. And then we had like a little symposium and they did a new study. And this is something that I really kind of knew for a long time. The emission inventory for lawn and garden equipment, I thought was a little understated. And this new study not only included emissions from combustion, but it was also they factored in evaporative emissions. So basically, when you have a gas lawnmower, a gas piece of equipment is sitting in your garage, it's basically slowly leaking pollution out there. So now that they factored in this evaporative uh, pollution, um, and these are this is a new study, so I'm gonna have to reference it because I know most of them at the tip of my tongue. Uh, but basically what they determine uh, is that ROGs, uh, reactive organic gases, and NOx, which is nitrogen oxides, which is the precursor uh, for, um, for smog forming uh, ground level ozone, or uh, a major contributor to it, from lawn and garden and other uh, small off-road engines, they're going to exceed pollution of light duty vehicles and passenger vehicles, especially in the uh, basin here, the, the Southern California basin by 2020. Uh, that's in three years. So it, <laughs> it, it, it's pretty crazy, it's pretty crazy. Um, and it's a testament, <laughs> it really is a testament to their work to really clean up uh, the, the vehicle industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, uh, this unregulated other industry. Thank you, and you just said it. It's unregulated. Yep. And it was great that they recognized it, and it's great that they said, in principle, hey, we understand it. We finally recognize it. The California Air Resources Board, we're so grateful to them, and we're actually very excited because we've been having uh, a lot of discussions with them of how to scale this. Um, I do want to mention this. For the average homeowner, you said, how much is it going to cost to replace all my gas equipment with electric? So if we can get past the cost, which we should be able to, it's basically plug and play. But when you are asking an entire grounds maintenance workforce of probably over 100,000 workers in California alone to just say, all right, we're going to use electric now. A lot of it can be plug and play, and that's a testament to the manufacturers, such as Mean Green with their industrial design. However, we have noticed that it's just not going to be that easy. You really need to get in there, and when we do this certification, this training, this interaction with the worker, we're actually kind of re uh, we're, we're socially re-engineering their approach and their thought process, and you would be surprised. These guys, these first-generation fellows that we just mentioned, they're really starting to say, you know what, this is my health. This is better. Mm-hmm. And they, they're, they're going to start more and more asking their managers for it. So we really are, um, we're on the cusp, I think, to having a 
a big shift here. Okay, I love this for multiple reasons. Um, if you are involved in a homeowners association, I want you to bring this to your board immediately and change the bylaws of your HOA to require this. What it's going to do is it's going to be an advertising point to bring up property values of the entire neighborhood. Net net, your appreciation in real estate is going to crush the amount of material cost of getting this stuff. So it's a no brainer. If you can afford to do it for your own house, if you mow your own lawn, look into it immediately because you're getting cancer by standing behind that thing. And then if you have um, and, and, and this is easy, like my guy um, who probably does 20 houses in my neighborhood, um, I'm happy to do a no interest loan to him to pay off the equipment and help him with it. <laughs> That's great. Right? And, and, just, and just make that kind of lateral jump. Um, you know, I have a couple friends that are in funds and all this. There's a direct public offerings. There's a lot of ways to raise capital nowadays. Um, you know, I'm happy to talk to anyone who wants to kind of raise capital and do kind of a crowdsource. So like you could get a whole community and have everyone put in, invest in that community. And then that landscaping company is part of the, the, the collective and it could go out. There's a million ways to fund this. And then just off the top of my head, as I was voting uh, this last November, I was going through all these like ballot initiatives for California going, Whoa, who the hell writes this crap? Who, <laughs> what, how is this even here? And then I realized, wow, why don't I just write a ballot initiative? <laughs> Yeah, right? So like you could just as easily take this and make it a ballot initiative for your state or your city, put all the factors in there, get it done, it becomes the law of the land, and then you know the, the industry will be forced to fund it. Um, and so we have to find creative ways to get the mom and pop guys to not suffer, right? Yeah, and, and, and that is the key, reaching out to that demographic and somehow offsetting that, that initial pain of, of, of conversion, if you will. But you know what? Here's the thing. I, there's a lot of studies right now that show that micro lending, uh, especially to women, has been like like a lot of these companies have like 99% payback on loans, micro loans to uh, women in third world countries that pay way better and get much better return on investment than lending money to big companies and 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 governments that default. And so I, you know, like my gardener's a good man. I mean, that's that's an easy microloan thing. So I mean, I could call up one of my microloan people, find out a way to like just get these guys to come in and like rapidly pay that off and they get a 10% bump. It's not a problem, right? This is, this is where market dynamics come in and really shift things. I trust my gardener to pay his bills because he shows up and he works every day. He's not mm -hmm. a lazy ass, mm -hmm. right? Exactly. <laughs> and you, you know, before I came on the show, they're like, hey, is, what, what kind of show is that? Uh, what, who are the listeners? And uh, I am so glad I came on the show because again, I am, I'm learning things just when I came in uh, to the studio here. I learned a, a lot of great things just watching other podcasts. And it's so refreshing to hear these ideas that some of them, we just really, we're out there doing this work mm. and we just haven't been able to think of these angles. So thank you so much for mm. pointing these out. I think a good way to kind of um, implement these microloans, if you would, I think that the gardener should have some skin in it. And my idea was always, let's offset the energy cost. Mm. They should buy the tool. And then the energy, that battery that represents, and, and I, I would definitely like to, I, I brought in a, a prototype here today. 
Oh, and uh, I definitely could uh, explain this, but that battery itself represents five, seven years of gas. If we can help bring down the cost of the battery, and they just have the and they they invest in the tool, then I I think that that would would be a great program. How much does this thing cost? Uh, that okay. So that is a prototype right there. This is so Back to the Future right now. <laughs> <laughs> mean Green. Yeah. So what, what's interesting is um, so I I can get up and walk around. Sure. Um, um, here I'll just bring it around. This okay. Way. There um, we go. We're using the. Thank you very much. Uh -huh. Now this prototype that you see down there, um, could we uh, can we put the prototype up here? Where is it? It's right on the bottom there. Okay, Sean will grab it. So let me close this up. Okay. So that's an electric blower. So yeah, then this is a prototype blower, but I'll go over to the the, the battery. Now this is something that. The workers wear on their back. It's lighter than the gas uh, blowers that they normally have on their back. This powers their full line of tools, but this also powers this incredible uh, prototype that I'm going to ta uh, talk about in a sec here. But look at this, Pedram. This just slides in and out. That's how many years of gasoline? This can represent up to seven years of gas. Up to seven years. This specific chemistry that Mean Green is using for their batteries and the way it charges and discharges, depending on the tool and the maintenance area, um, the, it, you can get five to seven years on it. So it slides, it slides in and out. And what's cool about this for the workers, hear that fan? We really do want to improve the working conditions. Wait, is that cooling their back? It's cooling oh, their back on. when they're using it, exactly. That's pretty cool. And, and you know, what I would add to that if they don't have it is EMF shielding just for the battery and the, the, having the battery there. So Mean Green, it's not hard to do EMF shielding. Um, and so that's one of the things that, um, you know, would basically make this like zero, zero hit. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Um, now, this particular piece of equipment here. Can we here, plug this sucker in? Actually, I'm going to, I mean, we are going to plug it in. I've always wanted to shoot an electric cannon. Okay. So... Let me go. Now, this is, a, let, let me explain the technology really quick. Yep. Um, thank you. Um, Alari Technologies, an aerospace company. Brilliant, brilliant minds. They, they started a, a, a little startup. Um, they were all engineers for AeroVironment. And we asked them, can you make us something special? There's wireless technology. Basically, there's an app on my laptop where I can control and change the functions of the blower. And let's just say I am a ground manager at a university and I have five of these. From my app on a phone or on the computer, I can control the functions of the blower uh, so it can operate uh, more efficiently because if you get to the users, they want to go full blast, you can actually calibrate it to your specific you setting. Throttle back. Yes, throttle back. And uh, I'll just go ahead and uh, you, uh, you can, we'll hold it right there. Does this need to be on? Nope. So I'm just gonna. Let's see if we can blow uh, Sean over here. Okay. Yeah! <laughs> 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 oh, that's great! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so fun. Well, you, you, 
<laughs> so he has hair, so he can yeah. see it go back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You and I, not so much. Not so but much. <laughs> now this boast. By the way, that was like at least twelve feet. <laughs> yeah. This will boast um, five hundred cfm cubic feet per minute. It has great spread, good air volume, and it's about hundred and five miles an hour out of the nozzle. They have found this sweet spot between miles per hour out of the nozzle and uh, cfm. It's more than adequate, rivals a gas blower, and it's it's doesn't go above 58 dB during operation. Decibels. Yeah, decibels. Um, and a normal blower is? They can go all the way up into the 90s. And they, they claim they have some backpack models uh, that are around uh, in the 70s or below, uh, but you know we have yet to really go out there with our sound meters and, and validate that, yeah. So I, I thought this would be a, a fun thing to bring in. Um, the technology, one last thing. I did um, tell CARB, listen, we have this technology. You can use it, and then you can actually print out what, what the software in there will do is it will show all of the reductions of all the specific pollutions that come from gas. So when you replace a gas unit, it will tell you how much... Uh, uh, emission sequestration or prevention you've done and we would like them to promote this technology in manufacturing so end users can use it if they reach a benchmark of zero emission operation through the year they should be rewarded they should be rewarded with uh, a tax credit if you will I love that. so we we feel that the, uh, promoting technologies from aerospace companies like this that could you know, scale in, in larger productions for all equipment and incentivize um, you know, getting off the fossil fuels. That, that's one thing I, I definitely wanted to show you, Pedro. So this is a prototype. This is a prototype. How can someone get something comparable to this? Um, I mean, obviously this is not for commercial sale yet. No, uh, but if you go to um, agza.net, mm -hmm. uh, we have our preferred manufacturers and the ones that we have listed there are the ones that are legitimate commercial companies that have proven their products in our mandated green zones. Mm. And Steel has made a backpack unit uh, that does quite well. Uh, like I had mentioned, Greenworks and then Mean Green. We've only identified uh, three co commercial capable uh, companies that make something worthy, uh, but we hope to be adding a few more to that list in 2017 that we've been researching and, and speaking with. I love it. And you're a good man. I'm so happy to be able to support this. Um, you have the website again? Uh, www.agza.net. Uh, if you're watching this, you understand the promise of this type of technology now. Vote with your dollars. Invest in this. You know, you want to see a better world. You want to see a better future. Are you a part of that or not? Are you waiting for someone else to do it? Or are you going to do it in your life, your community, your neighborhood? I'm in. I'm, I'm going to find a way to get this in my community immediately, even if I have to buy the whole set and make them use it for my neighborhood. Well, I, I know there's a cleaner gardening down, a gardener down here. Like I said, I'm going to go home. Call. I'm going to look him up, and I'm going to say, you need to call Pedro. Call this dude. Yeah, I love it. Man, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, tell me what you think. Uh, if you have any suggestions, you have any bright ideas of how he can scale this and take this out to the masses. If you're just interested, just hit us in the comments, hit us in the threads. Um, I'm in love with this. This is right in line with our conscious capital movement and um, this is the future. You're looking at it. Now be a part of it. I'll see you next time.